Okay, let's get to a COVID update. Here's Dr. Adam Kazem, president of the Ontario Medical Association. He joins us once again here on Global News Radio. Doctor, good afternoon. Nice to have you back with us. Jeff, good to be with you. Okay, I want to ask you first, if we could, about the uh, caseload here in the province, because it's up again today. We're just under, I think, 1,300 cases in Ontario. Just how concerning is this trend line we've seen of late? Well, certainly cases were expected to rise as we all gather indoors. The weather gets a little bit worse in terms of colder weather and people start congregating for family gatherings for Christmas and the holidays. So this rise is expected. What we really are keeping our numbers and and eyes on really are hospitalizations, ICU capacity, and general capacity within our healthcare system in order to be able to deliver service. And so those are the metrics that I believe are extremely important to continue to keep our eyes on as we move forward into December and January. Okay. Also of note, over half of today's cases are considered breakthrough, that they were people that were vaccinated. Uh, What, if anything, is that telling us, doctor? Well, certainly that um, we need to keep our eye once again on the rollout of the vaccine that we are currently engaged with, whether that's the third doses for a a wide variety of the population. I know that there is some guidance um, as far as booster shots or third doses uh, for other patient populations. And I imagine that that will continue down the line as we sort of move down the ladder as far as age uh, requirements are concerned. I know that we're also doing that on the on the on the kids side, so the kids for you know between the ages of five and eleven, and so all of these things put together uh, give us hope for the future. But obviously, with the breakthrough cases, we want to make sure that those folks are continuing to get the care that they need if they should require it. Yeah, is that telling us that efficacy is starting to uh, wane? And I know we've uh, had the message for the last uh, week and a half or so about uh, boosters, which are coming here to more people in the province of Ontario. The message being that these uh, booster shots are critical. I certainly think that there is some conversation about efficacy as far as doses are concerned. We know that the the data that Pfizer and others have been providing as far as their doses for protection against not only the variant, but of course, even breakthrough uh, guides some of the thinking, I think, now and and probably will continue to guide thinking for, for the future. I know that right now, Uh, there is a little bit of uncertainty with Omicron. And so once again, I think it just speaks to the importance of the vaccine. I know that there is breakthrough in certain cases, but we're also seeing that uh, our hospitals right now, at least, uh, are able to weather the storm. And that's the most important aspect of this entire conversation. Okay, as we continue to hope that we're closer to the endemic rather than being in the midst of a a pandemic, there's also a news today we wanted to talk to you about, doctor, from the Global Health Security Index, which is suggesting that uh, perhaps the world is unprepared for the next pandemic, uh, this uh, study. First of all, could you tell us a little bit about uh, the Global Health Security Index? Uh, What's that all about? To be honest, I don't know a whole lot about that index specifically, but what I think the general comment or the the notion is is that we should have been ready for this one but we got to be ready for the next one and whether that means g7 countries like ours which for example were struggling to to react and respond to the pandemic i remember just going into hospitals in early 2020 being rationed masks gloves gowns other ppe we didn't even have that equipment on hand and so you know for a g7 country like ours we got to be ready for the next one to make sure that we have a national stockpile Uh, that's ready to go, making sure that we have a national capacity for vaccine production and rolling out uh, for for doses as required. And so this, I think, speaks to a larger comprehensive approach, not only, of course, nationally for our country, but of course, globally, as far as an infrastructure that can respond to crises such as this one. 
Yeah, are we essentially talking, do you think, uh, Doctor, about uh, learning lessons and learning lessons from the uh, past? Because I think particularly early on in the pandemic, a lot of us were pointing to uh, SARS here in uh, Toronto. And did we truly learn the lessons of uh, SARS? And were we any better off when this pandemic uh, hit? And again, looking, doing some self-examination here, are we truly better almost two years down the line from this pandemic if, uh, God forbid, another one hits? I do think fundamentally we are in a different place right now than we were about a year ago. We have a better understanding about the disease and its transmission. We have access now to vaccines, at least here, and we have to have a broader conversation globally about vaccine equity, of course, when it comes to variants and protecting others around the, around the globe in such a globalized context. We also have therapeutics that are now on the market and, and certainly being, being developed as we speak. And so I do think fundamentally, as far as the coronavirus, we are in a different place. Now, whether that means that we're going to be ready to be able to have a global infrastructure for response moving forward, that remains to be seen. It does require global collaboration. And so whether that's, uh, once again, you know, developed in developing countries coming together and, and establishing a framework for the future, that's going to be extremely important that we can respond globally for what is now likely going to be a global response moving forward. Yeah, you mentioned PPE a second ago and the supply of it. Is that uh, one of the big uh, lessons coming out of this a pandemic that we need to pay attention to? And what else do you think it is that uh, we really need to focus on, key on, when it comes to a pandemic? And again, if we've got to respond to uh, another one down the line. Well, no question that PPE has to be part of that conversation moving forward. We know, for example, in the context of airborne disease, that masks are going to be really important. So I think we've sort of walked away a little bit from this notion of having to scrub down our chairs and our you know, surfaces. Uh, and so gloving and gowning may not be as prevalent in terms of um, protection as opposed to, you know, focusing on respirators and masks and ventilation. And so when we think about a global pandemic and the, the ability for a disease to spread, the, the airborne nature of this disease is a, is a substantial one. And that's the one that we have to really mitigate against moving forward in terms of what we need to do collaboratively around the world. Once again, I think that this is sort of where multinational or super supranational entities like the WHO and like um, global health uh, entities have to come together and say, you know what, uh, if we, if we can't um, prevent another disease coming out of other, another part of the world because they don't have access to the vaccine, for example, then none of us are really protected long-term. And, and so what we know is that that can have devastating consequences not only in our society, but our, on our economy. And so this has an economic value uh, down the line as well. Yeah, and the point you make about this being a global response is a salient one and an important one here. And do we need to come together as one all around the world, our, our leaders, and make some... Uh, choices, if you will, and some decisions when it comes to dedicated uh, investments, uh, when it comes to a pandemic response? I do. I'm not naive enough to think that there's not geopolitical factors that are at play, of course, in the political context and landscapes around the world make that sometimes challenging. But I do think that there is a role for a a nonpartisan effort, uh, meaning like a nonpartisan global effort to ensure that the safety of of all of us uh, are uh, is put first. I think that we have had these types of examples, whether it's on security and other matters or economic development, but here's an example of where uh, global health can be a priority in the same way. All right. I got to leave it there for now. A fascinating uh, conversation that no doubt uh, needs to and will uh, continue. Doctor, appreciate the time as always. Thanks so much. Jeff, thank you so much.
Be well. Dr. Adam Chasm is president of the Ontario Medical Association. And that does it for our time here on this Thursday. Thanks, as always, for yours. I'm Jeff MacArthur. Have a great rest of the afternoon. I will see you tomorrow morning at 9 on The Morning Show on Global Television. And in the meantime, keep it right here on Global News Radio. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance (laughs) recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.